glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. So let's go ahead and read John chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went, uh, went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes open? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him? that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out 
Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and he it is that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Thank you. You may be seated. We'll go ahead and pray now once you're seated. Now let's pray, and then we'll get into the message. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I thank you for the Bible tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the richness of your word. Thank you, Lord, for the sufficiency of your life and strength to enable us to serve you. Thank you, Lord, for the testimony we read here tonight. And, Lord, thank you for our own testimonies tonight of how you spoke to us. And, Lord, when we respond by faith in your word, you do miracles. Lord, perhaps not in our lives the physical miracle of an opening of our eyes, but, Lord, our hearts have been opened by your word. Lord, we know you are still, uh, Lord, working in hearts today and continuing that work. And, Father, I ask you now in Jesus' name, Lord, to just bless and guide me as I preach. Lord, I pray uh, that you would, you would direct the message. Lord, I pray that it would, as you apply it to our hearts, be received by us with ready hearts and minds. Lord, help us tonight to be a decisive people. Lord, in, in a world that, Lord, is blinded in unbelief, yet we who know who you are because of the power of your word and it's in our lives, Lord, may we be faithful and, Lord, own you before men and not be ashamed of you. And, Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I had to go ahead and read all the texts. I looked at this tonight. I, I, I tried to take a section of the text, but it seems it must go all together, and especially for where we want to understand the confession. That's our final point of the message tonight, verses 35 through 38. We have to see the backstory and even look at it. I don't know about you, I read John 9 and I literally, I, I chuckle almost every time I read it because of the back and forth between the man that was born blind and the Pharisees and, and the, just the way the entire account goes. You have a man here who knows with beyond a shadow of a doubt what the Lord Jesus has done for him. You have others deciding it cannot be because they know the natural conclusion they must come to if what they are told has happened has actually happened. We know that the Lord Jesus did signs and miracles for one exclusive purpose, and that was to demonstrate that he is the Son of God. Hold your finger in John chapter 9. Let's turn over to John chapter 20. As John records, the Holy Spirit of God has John record why the Lord Jesus did the miracles that he did and why they're recorded in the Bible for us. John chapter 20, verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. You'll notice in your Bible, no one ever believed that Jesus was the Son of God. They believe that he is the Son of God. We, I, I, I'm picky about this. I don't want to hear in my own mouth or someone else who's a Christian us speaking of the Lord Jesus as a historical figure. He is a living person. So we don't, we don't believe who he was. We believe the things that tell us about the time he walked on this earth. So we believe the things that are true historically about him. But if we're not careful, we will just check off the box. Yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. But may I say, if we truly believe what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus being the Son of God there are practical implications on our lives when it comes to that. If I truly believe that Jesus is right now currently the Son of God, 
I have to believe that he is in a body of flesh and bones seated in heaven waiting to return. If I don't believe that, somewhere there's a breakdown. I don't really believe he's the Son of God. Because he made it clear in Scripture that after he raised from the dead, I must believe he truly was born of a virgin. Because the same verses that tell me he's the Son of God, the same Bible that tells me he's the Son of God, tells me he was born through the womb of a virgin. The same Bible that tells me he's the Son of God, not simply because he was kind and good and patient and charitable, all those things, but that he did the miracles that he said he did, that the Bible says he did. The same Bible that tells me he's the Son of God tells me that he preached on a little place called hell. I have to, If I believe he's the Son of God, there are certain things I must believe by default, because if he is the Son of God, and he is, then the things he spake are absolute truth. And he has all power given unto him. And so here is, here is a, in John chapter 9, the entire, the entire debate that arises in the midst of this chapter is facilitated by the Lord Jesus doing a simple miracle. By doing something you and I couldn't do if we tried our hardest. I can go spit in the mud all day and put it on people's eyes who are blind, and they're just going to have muddy eyes. That's all. I have no power to make someone uh, blinded eyes open, but he does because he is the light of the world. What he did physically for that man was intended to be a spiritual lesson. What he did physically, what that man was physically, the Pharisees were spiritually. And because this man responded with simple faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, by confidence in him, doing what the Lord told him, he received the blessing from the Lord. And the point would be this tonight, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and that he's the Son of God, we know, as, as the Pharisees knew, that if you accept him as the Christ, then you've got to worship him. You're going to have to submit to his authority. And so there's much for us tonight. Yes, it can be a simple gospel message, but for us, I want to see how this man related to the Lord and how he did so in a public fashion, a public way. And may I say, for especially you young people that are here tonight, you've been brought up hearing the gospel. Most of you at an early age believed and knew that it was true. And the Lord did a miraculous work in your heart when he saved you. But you're living in a world that doesn't believe that that's possible. You're living in a world, and I'm living in a world, that treats the gospel like Another message of faith. It's one of many faiths. Jim and I, the lady we met, I cannot tell you the number of times the Lord allows our door-knocking visits to serve as an illustration of what's going to be preached. We met a lady this afternoon that identified herself as a Christian, yet she turned around. I'll use what Jim said. He said, so let's... you know, she said she's a Christian, and uh, she said she believed it was a very personal issue, and whatever people want to believe, they can believe. He said, so if I believe that I need to go crawl in the doghouse and... And uh, do that every day and eat a box of Twinkies, I think is what he said. Uh, And if I do that, I'm good enough to go to heaven. She said, if that's sincerely what you believe and that's how you worship, that's good. That's what she said. And that person does not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You say, you can't judge her. I'm not. I'm judging her beliefs. I'm not her judge. But you cannot believe the Son of God and believe that simultaneously. And may I say this? Jesus Christ is a great divider. The Bible says in this text there was a division. You went over who he was and who he is. There is a division today over who he is. All of the world is divided by who they believe Jesus Christ is. Muslims believe he was a good prophet, a good teacher. Catholics believe that he was the son of Mary the Virgin, someone who should be worshipped. Their Jesus is not our Jesus. We have many things that are 
true in line with the Bible. Many things that are false. And many people have a different... Almost every religion has some view on who Jesus is. But Bible Christianity understands that He is the Son of the living God. And so let's, let's consider four things about this man tonight that I hope will help us. This blind man tonight is here and should be here as an example for us as to how we should relate to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, with the blind man, we start, uh, obviously, in John chapter 9 with his condition. We're not going to say much about his condition because it's self-explanatory, but it has to be part of this message because that's what facilitates this miracle. He has a condition, obviously, that is debilitating. It has blinded him. He cannot see. He has to rely on others to lead him, guide him, give to him. John uh, chapter uh, 9, verse 8 tells us that he had been a beggar. Uh, That's what's recorded here. Is this not he who begged? So he is not a man who could work. He's not someone who could function like other people in society, making him a perfect candidate for the Lord to help. People who have their lives together have a difficult time getting help from God. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Not many wise, not many noble. That's why successful America is so hardened against the gospel. What do successful workers in the United States of America who have nice cars, nice houses, food in their cupboards, food in their freezers, food laid up sometimes for 15 or 20 years, who are both working jobs, making lots of money, taking it in, they have no need, they're able to function perfectly, seemingly in this life. Their bills are paid. They have life insurance that will cover uh, if something, if someone of the mates dies. And we, we have so taken care of ourselves. Why do we need God? This is why so many people have a hard time hearing the gospel. The greatest candidates for the gospel are people with trouble in their lives. That's why we ought to look for people like that. As soul winners, we ought to, our Lord was looking for this man. Now, we know he's Lord and he's omnipotent. You know how the disciples saw this man? What did he do wrong? Was it him or his parents that messed up that he has this affliction in his life? Well, they, they were more superstitious than they were men of faith at this moment. We're often the same. Uh, so this man had a debilitating condition, a degrading condition. This lowered him in society. It put him on the bottom rung. Maybe today he could have gotten a job as a Walmart greeter. How many of you are teaching the next generation, you know, aspire to do great things. See if you can't get a job greeting people at Walmart. I say that not to degrade Walmart greeters. I say we still degrade people in our culture today. We think we've, we've so gone beyond prejudice. And, and Look, prejudice is inherent in humanity. It is. Someone that makes less money, whether you want to or not in your flesh, you're going to think less of them. A blind man who has to be helped about has to depend on others, on their income, on their resources, on their strength, on their direction. He was at the bottom and there was a teaching, and you see this among the Pharisees, that either his parents sinned because he was born blind and God was judging them by giving them a blind son, or he had sinned, perhaps in his mother's womb. I don't know when he sinned, but maybe in his mother's womb he sinned and God made him be born blind, much like the Calvinism of our day. They presented a God that was somehow unjust. There is a similarity in how they treated God, that somehow he was punishing this infant from his birth. There are those who teach today, there are certain infants that are born uh, and they are, they are, they are evil. At their, we're all sinners at birth, we understand that. But there was a false view that degraded this man because of a physical ailment. The Lord Jesus looked at him and said, no, his physical ailment is an opportunity for God to do a work. Should we not look at things that way? People that are disabled uh, physically, people that are at the bottom rung of society are often at the greatest opportunity for God to help. 
the lady my mom was working with in Kenya named Edna. She is on fire for the Lord. There, I, I wish, I wish we could be Christians like in America, like she is in Kenya. She has to walk miles to get water just to fulfill her work for the day, miles to mud a house, and yet she is so hungry for God's word. She's asking last week, I think, for nine or ten Bibles because once she heard the gospel and received the Lord, she began to be hungry. She would ask my mom, where are you getting these teachings? My mom would say, they're in the Bible. She didn't have a Bible. So mom and dad shipped her a couple of Bibles. She walked the equivalent of 30 miles in one day to get them. Walked, I said. Here's a woman, she's poor. They have just enough generally to feed or eat for a day. What I'm trying to say is she has an opportunity to get help from God that many of us don't because we don't have the same needs. This man's blindness set him up as a perfect opportunity for the Lord to show himself mighty. There's a number of lessons in that. Number one, let us not despise those who have afflictions that make them opportune for the gospel and for the Lord to do a work in them because the Bible says the the gospel has been given unto babes. It has been given unto those uh, that that are simple and, and heart and mind enough to believe the truth of God and that are needy enough to recognize their need and receive from God the grace of God. And my point here tonight is this man's condition was not the affliction caused because of a sin, but as the Lord Jesus would say, an opportunity for the Lord to show himself mighty and do a mighty work in him. Verse 4, Jesus said, or verse 3 rather, Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned. That doesn't mean he never committed a sin in his life. Meaning he hasn't sinned and as a result he's blind nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Meaning, God's going to do a work through his blindness that's going to manifest who God is, and we know that's what Jesus did. So, we see the man's condition. Number two, we see in the text his cure. Verses 3 through 7 document his cure. Very simple the way it's done. We've pointed this out and preached in this text before, but if I came up to you tonight, Dawson, and I spit in the ground, and a and I did like this, and I came up to stick that in your eyes, what would you do? That's a good idea. It's a good plan. <laughs> uh, you, you would say, stop, don't do that. Don't put that in my eyes because you see what's coming, right? You have to be blind to not care. Jesus spit, made mud, uh, wipes this man's eyes, and then says, now go wash it off. Now, this, we often, I say this much, but we complicate the work of God in our lives. We complicate it. We treat, we treat getting the things of God and uh, having the grace of God in our lives like it's some um, complicated puzzle to put together. If I get all the pieces of the puzzle in perfectly right places, then God will move on my behalf. No. No. When we believe God enough to do what he says, God will move and work on our behalf. God works on simple faith. Here's what happened. The Lord Jesus comes. The Bible says in verse 3, uh, verse uh, 4, he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse 6, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. Here it is. He went his way therefore and washed and came seen. Why did he get his eyesight? He trusted the Lord Jesus enough to do what he said. Very simple, isn't it? John chapter 5, there's a man that's been at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. He's, he's, he's 38 years old. He's been laying there crippled for all those years. 
And the Lord Jesus said, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. You know what he did? Complicated. He rose, took up his bed, and walked. He trusted the Lord Jesus enough to do exactly what the Lord told him to. But you know what? You know when we question the Lord? When we're wise in our own conceit. You know what a seeing man would have said to Jesus? No. What do you think? I'm nuts. You're crazy. Don't touch me with that mud. You spit. Gross. Now, if you believe, I'll be honest with you. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? If the Lord Jesus wants to spit in my eyes, he is more than welcome to. He is Lord and God. He can spit on my face anytime he wants to. He wouldn't, but he can if he wants to. Amen? You with me? This man, his cure, number one, was initiated by the Lord. You know what? It's the same thing we looked at this morning. He, the Lord Jesus Christ, cared more for that man than that man cared for himself. The Lord Jesus Christ came by and saw his need, and our salvation is the same. Salvation is not initiated initially by mankind. Salvation is of the Lord. We must respond to what God initiates, but we must remember Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Lord Jesus Christ is still working today, working through us, and He initiates the healing of people and the making of them whole. You remember, let's give the opposite side of this, a rich man that came running to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The Lord Jesus had initiated work in his life when the Lord gave him the condition, you must sell what you have and come follow me. He did not trust the Lord enough to do what he told him. He loved his money and trusted his riches and rejected the Savior. And to our knowledge, that man is in hell today unless he repented sometime after because he did not trust the Savior. Trust is demonstrated by obedience. It is not, uh, it is not works that save us. It is trust. But here's what we see in this man's life as this man trusted the Lord Jesus enough to do what he said. He went to the pool of Siloam. He could have said, I'll go wash in some other place. Anybody that's spit in my eyes isn't going to tell me what to do. You put mud on my face, I'm not going to do what you said. No, he went and washed. So his cure was initiated by the Lord. It was imparted by faith. It was immediate in its effect. And then it had an immediate influence on his society. There's where there's a correlation with us and salvation. When you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, how many of us understand this man didn't have much doctrinal instruction when he put his trust in Christ. He didn't even know he was the Son of God yet. He just knew that, that the man told him to do this and he put an exercise trust in the word of the Savior. This man could not see Jesus. He could not touch Jesus. The Lord touched him. And so as far as he was concerned, he doesn't know what the Lord looks like. He's blind, meaning he was responding completely to the word of Christ. We agree? That's why what he did was faith. He heard the word and he did what the Lord told him. You and I, when we heard the gospel and the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what I did as a child when I heard that? Lord, would you please save me? I deserve to go to hell. I believe you'll save me. Would you please? You know what? God began and did a miracle work in my heart as a little boy. Right then and there. He did a miracle in my life that if I denied it to you today, I should be a liar. God began to work in me. He changed my nature. He gave me new life. He put things in me. When he did it at that time, I did not realize all Christ did for me the night that a little bitty simplistic-minded child looked to Jesus to save him. He did it. He did a miracle in my life simply because I responded in faith to his word. He'll never, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And so the cure of this man is symbolic of our salvation. Now, here's where our message tonight begins. As soon as the man is cured, 
as soon as there's a change, there was an internal change that had an external effect. Don't miss that. There was The blindness was internal that had an external effect. As soon as the man can see, all he's ever been known as is a blind man. And he goes down to the pool of Siloam and he comes back and he sees one of his friends. He said, hey, I know your voice. You're so-and-so. And they're like, can you see? He says, perfectly. You're kidding. How can you see? You've been play-acting all these years. He said, are you kidding? You know I'm not play-acting. I've been blind since I was born. Well, how do you see? You read the text. He said, a man named Jesus came, put mud on my eyes, told me go wash. I did what he said, and now I can see. Isn't that the same way you'd explain your salvation? I trusted what the Bible says, and now God did something inside of me. Here's one of the first evidences God has changed you. What used to, you did not recognize as sinful and wrong. Now your conscience is sensitive to. You say, something changed. That used to not bother me. I see it differently. Doesn't your vantage and viewpoint change once God saves you? It doesn't mean you can't err, but I'm going to tell you something. It'll change the way you look at things. And here's a man. There was an emphatic and absolute change had taken place in him internally that showed up externally. And he begins to be pressed on it. Verses 8 through 34 is nothing more than people trying to talk him out of the miracle that took place. Here, wouldn't you think this religious leadership in your life is supposed to rejoice with you over your blessings? Would we agree? Wouldn't you think that he would come to the Pharisees and the Pharisees would say, Praise be to God! You used to were blind. Now you can see you are now welcome in the synagogue to come and worship. You'll be able to serve God in ways you've never been able to serve before. No, Jesus did it on the Sabbath day. It doesn't count. You know what we learn? Jesus created the Sabbath. He'll do with it what he pleases. <laughs> Whatever he pleases to do with it is right. They had misinterpreted, misused, and abused the Sabbath day to rule and 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 and. Uh, oppress men and exalt themselves. The Lord Jesus understood the meaning of the Sabbath and what it was all about. It was about Him. It was about Him coming to relieve the blind and the afflicted and set captives free. And so in what they called breaking the Sabbath, He was actually fulfilling it. Amen? And so the point would be this. All through this, verses 8 through 34, there was a perception that He was different. There was a perception in his community that he was different. Verse 8, the neighbors therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But, uh, but, but he said, I am he. Some were saying, nah, it's just someone that looks like him. It can't be him. It's not really him. Therefore said they unto him, how are thine eyes open?" He answered and said, A man that's called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. You realize he has to repeat this story three times? Once to the neighbors and twice to the Pharisees. Because he told them and they wouldn't believe him. And here's why. May I say this? If what we claim the Lord Jesus Christ did for us when we put our faith in him is actually what he did for us, we put our faith in him, then every person that rejects him is actually rejecting God. And they know it. Do you know why there is a, an effort by Satan to discredit the testimony of believers? Because he's interested in discrediting Jesus Christ. The reason he wants to give any explanation but that the gospel changed life, you watch people. Give a testimony. I love giving the testimony of my family. My family was a, a, a group, before my dad, a group of hoodlums. 
And that's just the truth. Drunkards, everyone. My, gra- my dad was sharing with me some of my family history while we were together uh, over the past couple uh, of weeks and reminding me that both of my great-grandpas died before they were 60. One of them died, both of them were drunkards. One of them died in a coal mining accident. The other, I believe, drank himself to death. I have three great uncles who drank themselves to death. My grandpa nearly drank himself to death until God saved him. And when you look at my family history and how it changed, literally, no kidding, my family tree changes from drunkards to preachers. What happened? It wasn't education. We're still not the most educated lot in the world. That wasn't it. Education didn't change us. It was, I'm not against education, but it wasn't education that changed us. It was not counseling in the world that changed us. It was not the prison system that changed us. It wasn't the fear of death that changed us. No, it was the gospel of Jesus Christ. My dad got saved at 15 years of age and then began to witness to his family. God changed him literally. He never drank alcohol, never became a drunkard like those in his family before him on both sides of the family. And through his testimony, my grandpa believed on the Lord Jesus Christ at age 50. And what AA couldn't do three different times, what AA couldn't do, Jesus Christ did in a moment. He got saved on a Sunday morning. All his booze was down the sink by Sunday afternoon. By the way, people that claim to be saved and defend booze have a serious problem with the God of the Bible. God has no place for that. My point is this. When God saved him, he changed him. And what the world wants to do, including the world's religions, is say it can't be simple faith in Jesus Christ that transforms an individual. You are either lying. You were never blind in the first place. Is that not what the Pharisees said? They went to his parents. Was he really born blind or are you making this up? Why? Because if what he said happened really happened, then Jesus is who he says he is. And the reason there's a discrediting of our testimony, the reason there is an assault on you and your testimony, what Christ has done with you, and why I believe Satan plants seeds of doubt in the mind of God's people is so that we don't speak up and just tell the truth that I was a wicked sinner like anybody else, but Jesus Christ changed me. He made me new. By the way, I love the Lord tonight. But you know why that is? Because Jesus Christ saved me. I wouldn't love the Lord if he didn't save me. I want to do right tonight. I don't want to be a liar. I want to be a truth teller. I want to serve the Lord. I want to treat my wife right. I want to treat my children right. I want to serve the Lord. You know who put that in my heart? God did. God did. Not I. God through his son Jesus Christ. And so this man, this blind man who was born blind, we've seen his condition, his cure. Because of his cure, he became a man of conviction. And you see that. I, want to, I don't want to read the text again. But every time he's pressed on, are you really he or are you someone else? He said, I am he. I am the guy that was begging previously and that was blind. I'm the same one. What happened? A man named Jesus put a clay on my eyes, anointed me, and now I see. So they went off and told the religious leaders. They go in verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was born blind, that was blind. They realized this is something to do with God. This is, this, is a, this is a divine work. This is a miracle. So you're going to have to go to the religious leaders and explain what happened to you. The Bible says, verse 14, it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay upon mine eyes and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God. They're talking about Jesus. This man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? There was a division among them. That's what the Lord Jesus does. He said, we don't understand. You have to have the miracle working power of God to do this. So there's a disagreement over who the Lord Jesus is. And throughout, what does the blind man say each and every time? 
I don't know fully who he is, but I will not deny what he's done. I will not deny what he's done. He held to the facts. You know what? People treat faith in Jesus Christ like you have to exercise blind faith. No, 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 no. Faith in Jesus Christ is simply brought about by holding firmly to facts. Facts. It's the world that believes lies. It's the world that has their head buried in the sand and denies there's a creator. It's the world that wants to treat the resurrection like it's a fairy tale from a myth book. It's the world that denies irrefutable evidence that Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. There is more evidence that Jesus Christ is who he says he is than that man walked on the moon. Some say, well, he didn't do that either. I understand. (laughs) I said there's more evidence. And so people that pretend that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, here's what the Pharisees did. They looked to discredit, disparage, dismiss anything but believe that Jesus had simply made the man whole. And the same is true with us. The Lord literally saved our soul, changed us, transformed us the moment he saved us. He did a miracle work in our life by giving us eternal life. And there are those who do not want to believe that that's possible. They would like to say, that's your emotions. It's what you feel. It's what you think. No, it's a fact. It's a, it is a, a literal transaction between God and men when the Lord Jesus Christ saves a man. So there was perception of the man's cure. There was pressure on him from unbelievers to change his story. Change your story. Surely you either weren't blind or you're somebody else or they had him repeat the story over and over until finally they said, this man is a sinner and the guy gets flustered. He says, whether he be a sinner, I know, I, know, I know not. I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. You say he is. I don't believe that God hears sinners. And so God obviously heard him and God did this miracle. One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. I'm not changing my testimony because you've already decided Jesus can't be who he says he is. There are people that approach this Bible having already made their decision. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care how much truth it gives me. I've already decided it's not true. I've already decided Jesus can't be the Son of God because if He's the Son of God, He's the only way to have to be, have salvation. And I've decided that no God would be so narrow-minded and so exclusive as to only provide one way of salvation. Surely a loving God would never send anybody to hell and Jesus preached there's a hell. So I don't reject the Jesus like that. You cannot help someone like that. But what they want to do is pressure you and I to change our testimony about what the living God has done in saving our soul through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, if I, I'll say it again. If I told you tonight that the God of heaven did not do a literal, genuine, miraculous work in my heart when I was four years old, I would have to lie to you. He saved my soul. He changed me. He put new desires and new life. And he has started a work and he has continued that work. And so there was a perception that this man had been made whole. There was pressure from unbelievers. But here's where he stood. He said, I will not deny the truth to satisfy your unbelief. Here's where this applies to us tonight. When you have a different disposition, when you have a different viewpoint, advantage point than the lost world, you know what they're going to say? They're going to try to explain away, oh, it's because you were raised that way. I've had unbelievers say, well, it's no wonder you believe what you believe. You're a third generation. I mean, anybody brought up in that would be bound to believe it. But you know what? If I didn't believe it, they would say, well, your rejection of it proves it's not true. I mean, if if it were true, every generation would still believe it. And your rejection of it proves that it's what you were taught was not true. When you do believe it, they say, you're going along with it, proves it's not true. You see what I'm saying? 
Whatever can be said to dismiss the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it will be. And there's pressure on you and I to deny who he is, to satisfy a world that's already decided Jesus cannot be who the Bible says he is. Because if he is, they're in a heap of trouble with God. And they know it. So the pressure is put on us to compromise our conviction on who he is and what he's done. To compromise what we know to be true, this man persisted in the truth. And then that brings us to his confession. You'll find that as he persisted in saying, no, I know what he did for me. He opened my eyes. I was blind and now I see. And so then when he begins to correct the Pharisees and say, this is, a, this is a marvelous thing. It's an interesting thing that you would say he's a sinner and yet we know God heard him and opened my eyes. God doesn't hear sinners and when he starts giving them doctrinal correction, they say, you're out. They threw him out of their church for believing the word of God. That's nothing new, <laughs> is it? Nothing new. And so then the Lord Jesus comes. Now notice this, verse 35, we find his confession. Jesus heard, verse 34, They answered and said to him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Now who's asking him if he believes on the Son of God? Is the lost world asking him? No. The Lord himself is saying, Do you believe on the Son of God? The confession was demanded. You know what the Bible, you know what the voice of God will do? through the scripture, it will demand of you, do you believe on the Son of God? Do you trust personally in the person of Jesus Christ? Do you have confidence in God's Son? Here's how ignorant the man was. He says, who is he, Lord? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? You know what he's exercising? Trust. He is saying, if you tell me who he is, I'll believe you. Now, why would he trust Jesus so much? Because he knew what he'd done for him. He knew that this was the one who had opened his eyes. He did not know to identify him as the Son of God. He just knew he could be trusted. So you know what the answer was? You know why Jesus asked him? Because he already did. But you know what? You and I are going to have be given opportunity from our Savior. The Spirit of God is going to say to us, Do you believe on the Son of God? I hope this message tonight is asking you, Do you really believe on the Son of God? Do you personally have confidence in Jesus Christ, the one who hears the message I'm preaching, the one who literally died in your place, was, was suffered so greatly so that your sins can be forgiven. Do you have personal confidence in him? That's what it means to believe on him. Do you trust him to deal with your sin all the way? Do you trust him to save you to the uttermost? Do you trust him to lead your life? Do you trust him to spend your life? Do you have confidence in the Son of God? That's what Christ is going to demand of us. Do you believe on the Son of God? The man, you know what the man did? He was honest. You know the best thing to do with the Lord is when he asks us questions, be honest. He said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe on him? Jesus said unto him, thou hast both seen him. You notice what he said? Thou hast both seen him. He couldn't have said that at the beginning of the chapter, could he? Who opened his eyes and allowed him to see the Son of God? Now, you and I have seen the Son of God. You know where we've seen Him? In the pages of this book. If you can read this book and hear it preached with authority from God and not believe on the Son of God, you have a hard heart. God has made Himself known in this miracle book. He's made Himself known. God has recorded miraculously. I, I, I cannot, I've resigned the fact I cannot explain the miracle of my Bible other than to say it's a miracle. This is God's book. 
And God has made himself known. And the first thing he'll say to us is, do you believe on the Son of God? Who is he? You've both seen him. And it is he that talketh with thee. You know what? He still talks with us, does he not? Not physically and verbally, but he does by his spirit. How many of you have had the Lord speak to you in such a specific manner? Meaning you're wrestling with something in your mind and you read your Bible or you're sitting under the preaching of God's word or you're in prayer or maybe God just sends somebody your way with the word of God on their lips and they speak to you and you know that it's not them but God himself is working in your heart and challenging you, forcing you to either confess him or deny him. This is what Christianity boils down to. Our belief that Jesus Christ, we believe the record that God has given of his son. And if I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that determines what I believe about being a husband, that determines what I believe about being a daddy, that determines what I believe about death, that determines what I believe about sin, that determines what I believe about heaven, it determines what I believe about hell, it determines what I believe about my enemies, it determines what I believe about my friends, it determines what I believe about church, it determines what I believe about politics. Jesus being who he says he is determines everything for me because he's spoken clearly and plainly concerning all these issues. So settling this issue, do you believe on the Son of God? Meaning, he has his faithfulness. He'd already been faithful to Christ, had he not? When challenged, you weren't made whole by that man. He didn't open your eyes. He said he did. He put, do you realize his story was the same every time? The story of my salvation has now been the same for 30 plus years. God through the Bible showed me that I was a sinner deserving of hell and that Jesus Christ had died for me and was alive enough to hear my prayer if I'd put my faith in him. I trusted him. He saved me and has kept me saved. That story hasn't changed. It's not going to change because that's what happened. Because of what Christ did. This man's story never changed because it's what happened. And when demanded by the Savior, dost thou believe in the Son of God? He said, who is he? Lord, that I might believe on him. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. Meaning, you're looking at him. Now that he can see, do you think Jesus looked like what he would envision the Son of God to look like? But he knew the power of his word, didn't he? Is that not what he knew about Jesus? I love studying blind men. I was preaching about two different blind men at the jail. I said, what I love about blind men is they had no... No physical perception of Jesus. They only knew his word. They only knew him by his word. This man knew that at the word of Christ, what no man could do for him and what he couldn't do for himself through the word of Jesus Christ had been done. And so when Jesus, who said, go wash and be, have your eyes open, said, dost thou believe in the Son of God? And it said, you have, thou hast both seen him, and is he that talketh with thee? He said, I believe. His confession was without hesitation, and we understand this confession a couple of things. It was demanded of the Savior. It was decisive. Jesus said to him, Thou hast both seen him, and is he that talketh with him with thee? And he said, Lord, I believe. What he's saying is, I believe what you just said. I believe you are the very Christ. Now I say this. But I say decisive because of this. Once this man, he, Jesus doesn't say, Do you believe on one of the sons of God? It's very clear there's only one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We're adopted sons. He's the only begotten. And so when this man put his faith in Jesus Christ, you know what he realizes? When he openly confesses, I believe, he realizes he will no longer be welcomed back in that synagogue. The family religion was done. 
he realizes his parents may not identify with him any further. Because it was already cited in verse 22, if any man did confess that Jesus was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents, knowing what Jesus had done, would not openly identify with Jesus Christ. Not because they didn't know the power of Christ in the life of their son, but because they were afraid of men. May I say, do you know why we toddle, uh, why we uh, straddle a fence and are indifferent before men about who Jesus Christ is? For the same reason this blind man's parents were. They didn't say, we believe he's the son of God. They said, ask him, he's of age. We would rather not say. Did they know what Jesus had done for their son? They were more afraid of man and therefore went along with the lie rather than fearing God and standing on the truth. May I say tonight, Jesus Christ is still the Son of God as much tonight as He was 2,000 years ago, but you and I are living in a world that treats the Lord Jesus Christ like a fairy tale, and when we go out in that world, the pressure is put on us to treat Jesus like they treat Jesus, but let's be like this man and be decisive and say, I believe. Why do I believe? I'm going to tell you, this is, I thought this this morning. You know why I believe that this is the preserved, inerrant, infallible, perfect Word of God? Because it is. I'm not going to give you 5,000 reasons why. I believe it because it is. My belief that it is doesn't make it so. God has so evidenced that this is his book that we have to just believe that it is. You know, I believe Jesus is the Son of God because he is. You know why the world believes he's not? Because if he is, they need to repent and they don't want to. It has nothing to do with facts. It has everything to do with sin. And this man's parents would not do what he did. He was decisive and said, I believe. (laughs) Very clear. Not let me think about it. Let me chew on this. He didn't sit there and think, I wonder how the Pharisees will treat me if I say I believe. You know what? He was loyal to the truth. And he knew what Christ had done for him. And so he said, I believe. And then what happens next is the Bible says, and he worshipped him. Uh, The Bible, uh, verse 38, and he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. His confession demanded of the Savior, dost thou believe in the Son of God, was decisive in his answer, I believe, and demonstrated through what? Worship. You know what? If we truly believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, there's only one appropriate way to respond, and that's worship. Worship, how many of us get this picture in our mind? That I'm not trying to be unkind or mean, but how many of us think that what that means there when he worshipped was he, he cranked up a rock band and started swaying and dancing around and gyrating his body? How many of us think that's what took place? You know what worship is? It's an attitude of heart expressed in action. I get in my mind's picture, the Bible doesn't say it, that he bows down at Jesus' feet because that's how worship is expressed. It is communicating to him, I understand You are my superior to the greatest degree and I'm going to recognize and acknowledge by my response to you that I understand who you are and that my responsibility is to worship you. Worship tonight is expressed in reverence, great reverence and respect, submission, and unfettered trust. You know what this man did? Because he knew the power of his word, he believed he was the son of God, and as a result, He worshipped him, meaning he recognized him as supreme in authority in his life. You know what? You can settle in your heart who Jesus Christ is. You worship him. I believe the depth of our faith in him is indicated by our worship. 
Am I recognizing his right to govern in my life? Am I communicating to him my faith, my love, my fear, and my trust? If not, it may be because I'm thinking, if I do, there's a lot of people that don't believe that about the Lord Jesus going to treat me badly. I don't find this boy's parents joining him in worshiping the Savior, do you? You know why? Not because they didn't know Jesus was the Savior, but because they feared what man would do unto them. Tonight, is not our Lord worthy of our decisive, demonstrated confession before men that he is the Son of God? You know what witnessing is? It is you and I telling the truth about who Jesus Christ is. That's what witnessing is. He is the Son of God tonight. Aren't you glad? I'm on my way to heaven tonight, not hell, because he's the Son of God. I have the ability to preach to you tonight because he's the Son of God. I have the, the privilege of serving the Lord. You have the privilege of being a witness and serving the Lord because he is exactly who God's word says he is. Mm-hmm.